I'm going to take a quick break from comparing barrels and optics and instead talk about an important component to your fighting readiness. Here in the United States, we have an obesity problem that is killing hundreds of thousands prematurely every year. I'm sure many have their reasons for not being in the best shape, but if this is a podcast about, or at least partly about, being fighting ready, then we can't ignore the importance of fitness as a part of that. Although it doesn't always seem this way, I try not to talk a lot about myself in this project. I'm not anybody important, so there's no reason for anyone to listen to me blog or whatever. I do include my perspective and the backstory behind certain topics, such as you know, what choices went into my one rifle for everything, that sort of thing. And hopefully when I do include those details, it doesn't come off to you as being a big me party. With that out of the way, I hope you'll indulge a bit of backstory before we get into talking health and fitness when it comes to practical firearms use. So I won't go into great detail about my day job or day life in general, but suffice to say, I don't lead a career that involves much physical activity. Pretty much an office job. And it has areas of stress that have, at times, led to me eating my feelings. So I'm six foot one with a fairly athletic frame, but through my 20s, which I'm just about wrapping up now, I've fluctuated from a lean and mean 185 pounds up all the way to just over 250 pounds. This wasn't due to a dramatic life event or injury, but just an addiction to fast food and sugary drinks that piled on the weight over time. Now, if you're over six feet tall and wearing 250 pounds of mixed muscle and fat, you don't look like you live in bed or are morbidly obese or anything of that sort, but you would be a pretty heavy looking fellow. At 250 pounds, I couldn't see my toes when I looked down, and I had noticeable difficulty doing simple things like sitting crisscross or standing up from a short chair or bench. The turning point came when I realized how little stamina I had for playing with my young daughter, and I didn't want her to remember me like that. That top weight was about two, maybe three years ago, and now I'm hovering around 200 pounds with a few more pounds to go before I'm solidly in a healthy weight range. In my case, it wasn't particularly difficult to lose the weight, but I know that isn't the case for everyone. All I had to do was stop drinking calories, that's as easy in my case as switching from Coke to Coke Zero, and cut calories from carbs in my meals. I've never been a snack or dessert kind of guy, so there was no battle to cut calories there. At 200 pounds, I'm still not the perfect picture of fitness. I lift weights, but I'm not muscular looking. I can run, but not for very long. And I still have a slightly visible gut, though much less noticeable than even a year ago. But the difference in how I feel is truly night and day. I don't struggle to sit or move how I want to. I don't tire out when chasing my daughter around the house. And, and this one's especially relevant to this podcast, I don't have to stop for breaks when moving and shooting at the range or during classes. That last point is why I think it's important that we touch on what I'm going to refer to as fighting fitness. I'm not going to berate you guys and gals to get into pro athlete or supermodel shape, but I do hope that you'll evaluate what a minimum baseline of fitness is in order to make the best of your fighting equipment, and consider if you need to make any diet or exercise adjustments to achieve that. Just to clarify, I don't think my recent health story is anything unusual or interesting. I'm not looking for a pat on the back. That's actually why I bother telling you about it at all. I'd bet that there are listeners with very similar stories, at least in part. After all, only a bit over 20% of Americans are in what's medically considered a healthy weight range or lighter. Almost 40% are what's considered overweight, while nearly another 40% are obese, and almost 10% have what's described by experts as severe or extreme obesity. I think obesity is a part of many of our everyday lives, but we tend not to be very realistic about the health implications of our population's weight. We just kind of take it for granted, and you know, the health risks just come what may. 
With so many Americans eating too much and exercising too little, our obesity rate has actually reduced the life expectancy of the country when compared to similarly prosperous countries. We're living shorter, more expensive lives, and we're passing those health risks and costs onto our children. On top of all that, being unfit creates higher risks of morbidity and physical injuries from, say, car crashes and other accidents, and it leaves us more vulnerable to violent crime. So, not to get overly political or preach or anything, but this obesity epidemic isn't even the fault of the American public. At a federal level, there's been misinformation to the point of propaganda fed to us, no pun intended, all throughout the 20th century. Processed food companies have, for decades, improved profitability by packing their products with as much sugar and salt as possible, and the sugar industry has worked hard to convince the USDA and the American public that the amount of sugar in our diet is acceptable. It's, it's not. It hasn't been for decades. Sugar has no nutritional value and doesn't deserve a place on the food pyramid. The less sugar you consume tomorrow and onward, the better. But more on that later. Anyway, why am I really lecturing about this and why on this of all podcasts? You know, this is a gun podcast. Why am I talking about diet and exercise? I'm not even particularly fit myself. I'm not a medical or fitness professional, and I don't have anything to gain or lose from how your health improves or worsens. I mean, I like you guys. We're friends. But some of you are in better shape than I am, others worse, and neither case impacts me directly. And talking about diet and exercise isn't really related to firearms and shooting sports. Not directly, at least. The reason I'm lecturing you about getting into better shape is because this is a practical firearms podcast. It's not about prepping or warfare or military activity, but about being ready for whatever life throws at you in a practical scope and scale. Just like we aren't walking around in plate carriers with chem lights and frag grenades all day, at least not most of us, I think. I don't expect everyone to be able to run for miles on end or bench press their gun safes. If we're being realistic about fighting readiness, or at least practical firearms use and the fitness requirements for that, it should be easy for us to figure out what the required baseline for that is. If you're a precision shooter, just being able to lie flat when shooting prone or tuck into a supported position is easier when there isn't a gut to work around, and it's easier to control your breathing when your heart and lungs are healthy. If you're a hunter, being able to scout and stalk game trails for long periods of time without breaks makes it more likely that you'll find a shot to take, and climbing trees for improvised stills will be way easier. If you're a competition or tactical run-and-gun type shooter, or aspire to be, fitness requirements are arguably higher, but the benefits are more obvious. The easier you can move, and the longer you can keep moving, the better. You know, don't be that guy at the carving course with a full tactical loadout that has to sit out drills because you couldn't stay on your feet for more than a few minutes. Unless you have some kind of injury or disability, you should be able to run a few yards between shooting strings and have the flexibility to take a knee on cue. If you can't, the instructor probably won't give you a hard time for it, but you're not going to feel like you got your money's worth. Now that you have your own idea of a physical fitness baseline for your needs, I imagine you also have some idea of how you might get there or stay there. Unfortunately, I'm not done preaching it because I now feel the need to further address the rampant misinformation when it comes to health and fitness in this country. As I said earlier, if you're obese due to improper diet and activity, it probably isn't your fault, at least not exclusively. We are, for better or for worse, a country with strong corporate interests affecting our day-to-day -day lives. So the first and the biggest myth I'd like to address is twofold. Basically, the roles of fat and added sugar in our obesity and related heart conditions and other health issues. I touched on this a minute ago, but basically the predecessors to today's health administrations were sort of tainted by the sugar industry's selective studies and led to believe that sugar plays a minimized role in weight gain and heart disease and dietary fat has a larger role. Now, I'm not going to bore you with a history lesson on this, but to be blunt, the study was completely fabricated and its conclusions completely false. Added sugar, well, 
prevalent in today's food options has no nutritional value, and there's no reason to consume any at all as part of your regular diet. They are empty calories, and calorie consumption is the biggest single factor when it comes to weight management. And I'll circle back around to that in a sec. Dietary fat, on the other hand, gets kind of a bad rap in American health media. Reducing overall fat intake won't have any effect on coronary heart disease or help with weight loss. Even dietary guidelines today recommend reducing fat intake, which is part of why such federal guidelines are still a subject of criticism by medical and nutritional professionals. The other myth is less of an outright fabrication and more of an exaggeration, but still really important to pull back into reality. And that's the role of exercise in your weight loss and overall fitness journey. Now, of course, both diet and exercise are critical in ensuring long-term health. The idea that I'm taking offense to here is that in order to lose weight, you should be hitting the gym or running around the neighborhood above all else. Now, physical activity, especially the kind that involves cardio and elevated heart rate, does three important things health-wise. First, it burns calories. In order to maintain a healthy weight, we need to consume a certain amount of calories and we need to burn roughly the same amount through our day. Your daily calorie intake requirements will vary quite a bit from person to person. Depends on stuff like your age and your gender, your your daily physical activity level. So all else being equal, exercising more will burn more calories and thus help you burn more body fat. The second thing physical activity does for you is build muscle. Not everyone wants to look like a bodybuilder, but moving more will add lean muscle mass, which looks good and helps make physical activity easier, which compounds the benefits of exercise by making the exercise itself easier to do over time. The last perk of exercise is heart health. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for both men and women in this country. One in four deaths every year are due to heart disease, and one in three American adults live with some type of heart disease. Along with quitting smoking and fixing your diet, the other biggest thing you can do to reduce your risk of heart disease is to exercise more. That's simple. The problem that I have is that all three of these benefits have been used to overstate the importance of exercise and, in the minds of many Americans, understate the importance of fixing an unhealthy diet. The common saying in fitness communities is that you can't outrun a fork, and you can't. It doesn't matter if you run and lift weights every day if you're still eating and drinking more calories than your body is making good use of. You're still going to be putting on fat. Exercise also has diminishing returns when it comes to building muscle and improving heart health. You know, six-pack abs are made in the kitchen by minimizing your body fat percentage. Muscle mass is going to hit ceilings no matter how much you lift if you're not feeding your muscles with enough protein. And your cardiovascular health will benefit more from other areas of improvement once you're simply up and moving just a few minutes per day. Now, that was a lot of health-related rambling in a big hurry, and I blew through it quickly because it's not my place to go into that stuff in great detail. I'm not a physically fit person, you know? I, I don't work in a medical and nutritional field. I do sincerely hope that this week's talk motivates you to start on or take the next steps on your fitness journey, but I don't want you to take my word on any of this stuff. Go talk to your doctor, get a physical if you haven't had one in a while, and consult with whoever you need to consult with to get a diet and exercise plan that works for you. I can't hope to guess what the next best steps are for you. You know, we're all pilots in different vehicles, so to speak. What I can do is end the episode with just a bit more on my fitness journey as it's happened so far. So just to repeat what I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I started my 20s at about 185 pounds and was looking pretty lean, and then gradually put on weight due to overconsumption and a sedentary lifestyle until I hit a weight peak of just over 250 pounds. I'd like to get back down to that 185 area and hopefully put on a bit more muscle mass than I did when I was a scrawny 21-year-old, but I'm not there yet. I've lost a bit over 45 pounds in the last two or three years, which isn't particularly fast, and that's because I went up and down a lot over time. 
My diet and exercise have not been consistent or perfectly optimized, and I continue to not be doing my best today. It's been more like two or three years of gradual improvements over time rather than one big transformation. The first and biggest step that I personally took towards a healthier me was cutting out drinks with added calories. I used to drink regular soda every day and beer every night. Conservatively, I was consuming at least 700 calories and 150 grams of sugar just for my drink choices every day, with some days doubling that. Bringing both of those to zero has an immediate impact on your daily calorie and carb intake, enough in my case to lose about two pounds every week, even without making any other changes to my diet or exercise levels. Now, of course, those losses didn't stay on for long. It kind of tapered off. So the next step was twofold. I had to reduce my food calories while improving the nutritional balance of what I was eating. Since I'm addicted to pizza, burgers, fries, and Asian foods with lots of rice and sauces, I was consuming mostly carbs with only some protein and almost no fat. To fix this, I went a bit extreme and I went on the keto diet, which has a very strict daily carb limit and fills your remaining calorie needs with a split between protein and fat. You're not watching your daily calories very closely because you're burning calories at an extremely high rate when you're in ketosis. While I was previously taking in over 300 grams of carbs, at least 10% of which was added sugar, on keto I was keeping my daily carb intake under 30 grams, and I was still managing to bring in over 130 grams of protein and nearly as much fat every day. While in ketosis, my body started burning body fat at an alarmingly high rate. I dropped pounds really fast, but I felt like I was wasting away, and my energy level wasn't there for even my day-to-day activities, let alone my weightlifting goals. Today, I'm trying to strike more of a balance. I'm still minimizing carbs, but not so much that I'm going into ketosis. Most of my calories are in protein and fat, but the priority is to stay under a daily calorie allotment based on my current weight and activity levels. I'm lifting weights a few times a week, focusing more on a short, high-intensity workout, but I need to work on my consistency if I'm going to see more improvements in that department. If you hate going to the gym as much as I do, remember that you don't have to spend half your life there as long as you're going regularly. It's better for you to hit free weights for 20 minutes three times a week than it is to spend an hour on the treadmill or an hour in the weight room once in a while. Consistency is more important with your workout than the frequency. And you can't outrun a fork, so focus on diet more than anything else. Anyway, I hope that wasn't too preachy. Thanks as always for bearing with me. I promise that next week will be more gun stuff. If you like what we're doing here, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave Range Talk a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you want to share your fitness progress or routine, definitely tell us all about it on Twitter using the hashtag Range Talk. I'm especially interested in seeing any firearms-oriented fitness apparel that you have. Anything cheeky about guns and fitness on a t-shirt is something I'd personally be into, so hashtag Range Talk with that stuff. If not, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon.